0: part two of a christmas miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors this LibriVox recording is in the public domain part two how deacon tubman and parson whitney kept new year's by william henry harrison murray One, new year's eh exclaimed deacon tubman as he lifted himself to his elbow and peered through the frosty window-pane toward the east where the colorless morning was creeping shiveringly into sight new year's eh he repeated as he hitched himself into an upright position and straightened his nightcap that had somehow gone askew in his slumber bless my soul how the years fly but that's all right yes that's all right no one can expect them to stay and why should we there's better fish in the net than we've taken out yet with this consolatory observation the deacon rubbed his head energetically while the bright happy look of his face grew brighter and happier as the process proceeded yes there's better fish in the net than we've taken out he added gaily and if there isn't there's no use a crying about it with this philosophical observation he bounced merrily out of bed and into his trousers i say deacon tubman bounced into his trousers but to be exact i should say that he bounced into half of them and with the other half trailing behind him he skipped to the window and putting his little plump round face almost against the pane gazed out upon the world everything was bright sparkling and cold for the earth was covered with snow and the clear grey of the early morning spread its rayless illumination over the great dome in the fading blue of which a few starry points still gleamed bless me what a morning he exclaimed beautiful beautiful he repeated as he stood with his eyes fastened upon the east and balancing himself on one foot felt around with the other for that half of the trousers not yet appropriated bless me what a day he ejaculated as he saved himself by a quick upward wrench from falling from a trip he had inadvertently given himself in an abortive effort to insert his foot into the unfilled leg of his pantaloons ah, that's a good un he exclaimed trip yourself up and getting into your own trousers will you deacon tubman and he laughed long and merrily to himself over his little joke a happy new year to everybody cried the deacon as he thrust his foot into his stocking for the floor of the good man's chamber was carpetless and so cleanly white that its cleanliness itself was enough to freeze one "'Yes, a happy New Year to everybody, high, low, rich, poor, south, north, east, and west, where'er they are the world over, at home and abroad. Amen.' And the deacon, partly at the sweeping character of his benediction, and partly because he was feeling so jolly inside he couldn't help it, laughed merrily as he seized a boot and thrust his foot vigorously into it. "'What's this? What's this?' cried the deacon, as he tugged away at the straps until he was red in the face. "'This boot never went on hard before. What's the matter with the pesky thing?' And he arose from his chair, and, standing on one foot, turned and twisted about, tugging all the while at the straps. "'Bless my soul!' exclaimed the deacon, disgusted with his strange behaviour. What is the matter with the pesky boot?' Then he sat down upon the chair again, wrenched his foot out of the offending article, and held it up between both hands in front of him and shook it violently, when, with a bump and a bound, out-rattled a package upon the floor, and rolled halfway across the room. The deacon was after it in a jiffy, and, seizing it in his little fat hands, held it up before his eyes and read, "'A New Year's gift from Miranda.' now miranda was the deacon's housekeeper mrs tubman having peacefully departed this life some years before and speaking appreciatively of the sex a more prim prudent particular member of it never existed she had been initiated some ten years before into that amiable sisterhood commonly known as spinsters and was it might be added a typical representative industrious you may well say so her floors stoves dishes linen well if they weren't clean nowhere on earth might you find clean ones she hated dirt as she did original sin and of no doubt but that in her own mind considered its existence in the world as the one certain damning and conclusive evidence of the fall it was really an entertainment to see her looking about the house for a speck of dirt and the cold-blooded manner in which she would seize upon it bear it away in the dustbin and removing the lid of the stove consign it to the flames was well what should i say yes that's it was most edifying amiable yes after her way and a very noiseless sort of way it was too for though she had lived with the deacon for nearly a dozen years he had never known her to so far forget her propriety as to indulge in anything more hearty and hilarious than the most decorous of smiles which smile was such a kind of illumination to her face as a star of inconceivably small magnitude makes to the sky in trailing across it of her personal appearance i will say nothing Sacred let it be to memory. If you ever saw her, or one like her, whether full front or profile, whether sideways or edgeways, the vision, I am ready to swear, remains with you vividly still. Let it suffice, then, when I observe that Miss Miranda was not physically stout, and that the deacon's standing joke was by no means a bad one when he described her as not actually burdened with fat, Yes, she was a very cleanly, very thin, very prudent, very particular person, that never joined in any sports or amusements, never joked or participated in any happy events in a happy, joyous fashion, but lived unobtrusively, and I may say coldly, in her own prim, cold, bloodless little world. "'Gracious me!' exclaimed the deacon, as he looked at the package. "'Gracious me! What has got into Mirandy? And he looked scrutinizingly at the little, fine, thin, faintly traced inscription on the package, as if the writer had begrudged the ink that must be expended on the letters, or, from a subtle and mystic self-sympathy, had made the chirography faint, delicate, and attenuated as her own self. "'Gracious me!' reiterated deacon tubman as he proceeded to untie the knot in the pale blue ribbon smoothly bound around the package who ever knew mirandy to make a present before and the deacon was so surprised at what had taken place that for a moment he doubted the evidence of his own senses and put it in my boot too and the deacon stopped undoing the parcel, and lying back in the chair, roared at the thought of the prim, modest, particular Miranda perpetrating such a joke. And then the wrapping of the package was at last undone, for every corner and crease of it was as carefully turned and as sharply edged, as if the smoothing iron had passed over them. Will wonders ever cease in this startling world of ours? Out dropped a nightcap yes a nightcap delicately and deftly crocheted in warm woollen stuff of a rich cardinal colour (laughs) ha ha laughed the deacon as he held the cap between his thumb and his forefinger of one hand up before his eyes while he rubbed his bald crown with the other good for mirandy and then as a small slip of white paper fluttered to the floor he seized it and read a happy new year to deacon tubman from miranda a good girl a good girl said the deacon not overburdened with fat but a good girl and with this rather equivocable compliment to the donor with his boot in one hand and the cap in the other he rushed impulsively to the stairway and shouted a happy new year to you mirandy god bless you god bless you and he swung the boot instead of the cap vigorously over his head while his round rosy face beamed down the stairway into the cold hall below like a warm harvest moon over the autumnal stubble in response to the deacon's hearty and I may say somewhat uproarious greeting, the kitchen door timidly opened, and Miranda, who had been astir for nearly an hour and had the table already laid for breakfast, stepped into view and with a smile on her face that actually broadened its thinness dangerously near to the proportions of a genial and happy reciprocation of the jovial greeting, dropped a curtsy and said, Well thank you, Deacon Tubman, I hope you may have many happy returns a thousand to you mirandy shouted the deacon in response a thousand to you and your children and the little man swung his boot vehemently over his head and laughed like a boy at his own joke while poor frightened scandalized miranda turned and scudded like a patch of thin vapor blown by an unexpected gust of wind through the door into the kitchen with a face colored scarlet from an actual unmistakable blush though whence the blood came that reddened the clean cold white of her thin face is a physiological mystery in a moment the deacon was fully dressed and he scuttled as merrily and noisily down the resounding stairway as a gust of autumn wind running through a patch of russet leaves through the hall and kitchen he bustled and out into the woodshed where he ran against old towser the big newfoundland watch-dog who stood in the passage expectantly watching his coming a happy new year to you towser old boy he cried and seizing the huge dog by his shaggy coat he wrestled with him like a merry-hearted boy a happy new year to you old fellow he repeated as the dog broke into a series of joyful barks speak it right out towser god made you as full of fun as he has the rest of us and a good deal fuller than many of your kind and mine too and with this back-handed hit at the vinegar-visaged and acidulous hearted of his own species the deacon shuffled along the crisp icy path toward the barn while towser gambled through the deep snow and plunged into the huge fleecy drifts in as merry a mood as his merry master a happy new year to you old jack he called out to his horse as he entered the barn and jack neighed a happy return more expectant perhaps of his breakfast of oats than appreciative of the greeting and a happy new year to you you youngster he shouted to the colt who being at liberty to roam at will had already appropriated a section of the haymow to his own satisfaction ah none of that you woolly coated rogue you he cried as he jumped aside to escape a kick that the bunch of equine mischief antically snapped at him none of that you little unconverted sinner you i verily believe the parson is right and that in adam's fall we sinned all men and beasts colts and children all in one lot and so talking to himself and his cattle the jolly little man whose good-heartedness represented more genuine orthodoxy than the whole westminster catechism bustled merrily about the barn and did his chores while the cockerels crowed noisily from their perches overhead, the fat white pigs grunted in lazy contentment from their warm beds of straw, and the oxen, with their large luminous eyes, gazed benevolently at him as he crammed their mangers generously full with the fragrant hay that smelled sweetly of the flowers and odorous meadowlands, where, in the warm summer sunshine, it had ripened for the welcome scythe how happy is life in whatever part of this great fragrant world of ours it is lived when men live it happily and how gloomy seems its sunshine even when seen through the shadows and darkness of our surly moods what happy-hearted fairy was it that possessed the deacon's heart and home on this bright new year's morn i wonder surely some angel of fun and frolic had flown into the deacon's house with the opening of the year and was filling it and the hearts within it too with mirthful moods for the deacon laughed and joked as he buttered his cakes and fired off his funny sayings at miranda as he had never joked and laughed before until miranda herself smiled and giggled yes actually giggled behind the coffee-urn at his merry squibs as if the little imp above mentioned was mischievously tickling her yes i will say it her spinster ribs mirandy i'm going up to see the parson exclaimed the deacon when the morning devotions were over and see if i can thaw him out a little i've heard there used to be a lot of fun in him in his younger days but he's sort of frozen all up laterally and I can see that the young folks are afraid of him, and the church, too. But that won't do. No, that won't do, repeated the good man emphatically, for the minister ought to be loved by young and old, rich and poor, and everybody. And a church without young folks in it is like a family with no children in it. Yes, I'll go up and wish him a happy new year anyway. Perhaps I can get him out for a ride to make some calls on the people, and see the young folks at their fun.' it'll do em good and them good and me good and to everybody good saying which the deacon got inside his warm fur coat and started towards the barn to harness jack into the worn old-fashioned sleigh which sleigh was built high in the back and had a curved dasher of monstrous proportions ornamented with a prancing horse in an impossible attitude done in bright vermilion on a blue-black ground 2. HAPPY NEW YEAR TO YOU, PARSON WHITNEY, HAPPY NEW YEAR TO YOU, cried the deacon from his sleigh to the parson, who stood curled up and shivering in the doorway of the parsonage, and may you live to enjoy a hundred. Come in, come in, cried Parson Whitney in response. I'm glad you've come, I'm glad you've come. I've been wanting to see you all the morning, and in the cordiality of his greeting he literally pulled the little man through the doorway into the hall and hurried him up the stairway to his study in the chamber overhead thinking of me well now i never exclaimed the deacon as assisted by the parson he twisted and wriggled himself out of the coat that he a little too snugly filled for an easy exit thinking of me and among all these books too bibles catechisms tracts theology sermons well well that's funny what made you think of me deacon tubman responded the parson as he seated himself in his armchair i want to talk with you about the church the church ejaculated the deacon in response nothing going wrong i hope yes things are going wrong deacon responded the parson the congregation is growing smaller and smaller "'And yet I preach good, strong, biblical, soul-satisfying sermons, I think.' "'Good ones, good ones,' answered the deacon promptly. "'Never better, never better in the world. "'And yet the people are deserting the sanctuary,' rejoined the parson solemnly. "'And the young people won't come to the sociables, "'and the little children seem actually afraid of me. "'What shall I do, deacon?' And the good man put the question with pathetic emphasis." "'You have hit the nail on the head. Squares a hatchet, parson,' responded the deacon. "'The congregation is thinning. The young people don't come to the meetings, and the little children are afraid of you.' "'What's the matter, deacon?' cried the parson in return. "'What is it?' he repeated earnestly. "'Speak it right out. Don't try to spare my feelings. I will listen to—I will do anything to win back my people's love.' and the strong, old-fashioned, Calvinistic preacher said it in a voice that actually trembled. "'Well, you can do it. You can do it in a week,' exclaimed the deacon, encouragingly. "'Don't worry about it, parson. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Your books are the trouble.' "'Eh? Uh, books?' ejaculated the parson. "'What have they to do with it?' "'Everything,' replied the deacon stoutly. "'You pore over them day in and day out.' they keep you in this room here when you should be out among the people not making pastoral visits i don't mean that but going around among them chatting and joking and having a good time they would like it and you would like it and as for the young folks how old are you parson sixty next month answered the parson solemnly sixty next month thirty thirty that's all you are parson or all you ought to be cried the deacon Thirty, twenty, sixteen. Let the figures slide down and up, according to circumstances, but never let them go higher than 30 when you are dealing with young folks. I'm 60 myself, counting years, but I'm only 16. 16 this morning, that's all, parson, and he rubbed his little round plump hands together, looked at the parson, and winked. Bless my soul, Deacon Tubman, I don't know but that you were right, answered the parson. 60? I don't know as I am sixty, and he began to rub his own hands and came within an ace of executing a wink at the deacon himself. Not a day over twenty, if I am any judge of age, responded the deacon deliberately, as he looked the white haired old minister over with the most comic imitation of seriousness. Not a day over twenty, on my honour and the deacon leaned forward toward the parson and gave him a punch with his thumb as one boy might deliver a punch at another and then he lay back in his chair and laughed so heartily that the parson caught the infectious mirth and roared away as heartily as the deacon yes it was impossible to sit hobnobbing with the jolly little deacon on that bright new year's morning and not be affected by the happiness of his mood for he was actually bubbling over with fun and as full of frolic as if the finger on the dial had in truth gone back forty years and he was only sixteen only sixteen parson on my honour but what can i do queried the good man sobering down i make my pastoral visits pastoral visits responded deacon tubman oh yes and they are all well enough for the old folks but they aren't the kind of biscuit the young folks like too heavy in the centre and over hard in the crust for young teeth eh parson but what shall i do what shall i do reiterated the parson somewhat despondently oh put on your hat and gloves and warmest coat and come along with me we will see what the young folks are doing and we'll make a day of it come come let the old books and catechisms and sermons and tracts have a respite for once and we'll spend the day out of doors with the boys and girls and the people i'll do it exclaimed the parson deacon tubman you were right i keep to my study too closely i don't see enough of the world and what's going on in it i was reading the testament this morning and i was impressed with the master's manner of living and teaching it is not certain that he ever preached more than twice in a church during all his ministry on the earth and the children how much he loved the children and how the little ones loved him and why shouldn't they love me too why shouldn't they i'll make them do it the lambs of my flock shall love me and with these brave words, Parson Whitney bundled himself up in his warmest garment, and followed the deacon downstairs. "'Tell the folks that you won't be back till night,' called the deacon from the sleigh, "'for this is New Year's, and we're going to make a day of it.' And he laughed away as heartily as might be, so heartily indeed that the parson joined in the laughter himself as he came shuffling down the icy path toward him." Bless me how much younger I feel already, said the good man, as he stood up in the sleigh and with a long, strong breath breath breathed the cool, pure air into his lungs. Bless me how much younger I feel already, he repeated, as he settled down into the roomy seat of the old sleigh. Only sixteen today, eh, deacon? And he nudged him with his elbow. That's all, that's all, parson, answered the deacon gaily, as he nudged him vigorously back. That's all we are either of us, and laughing as merrily as boys, the two glided away in the sleigh. Well, perhaps they didn't have fun that day, those two old boys that had started out with the feeling that they were only sixteen and bound to make a day of it, and they did make a day of it, in fact, and such a day as neither had had for forty years for first they went to bartlett hill where the boys and girls were coasting and coasted with them for a full hour and then it was discovered by the younger portion of his flock that the parson was not an old stiff solemn surly poke as they had thought but a pleasant good-natured kindly soul who could take and give a joke and steer a sled as well as the smartest boy in the crowd And when it came to snowballing, he could send a ball further than Bill Sykes himself, who could outthrow any boy in town and roll up a bigger block to the new snow fort they were building than any three boys among them. And how the parson enjoyed being a boy again, how exhilarating the slide down the steep hill, how invigorating the pure cold air how pleasant the noise of the chatting and the joking going on around him, how bright and sweet the boys and girls looked, with their rosy cheeks and sparkling eyes, how the old parson's heart thrilled as they crowded around him, when he would go and urged him to stay, and how little Alice Dorchester begged him, with her little arms around his neck, to just day and give me one more slide you never made such a pastoral call as that parson said the deacon as they drove away amid the cheers of the boys and good-byes of the girls while the former fired off a volley of snowballs in his honour and the latter waved their muffs and handkerchiefs after them god bless them god bless them said the parson they have lifted a great load from my heart and taught me the sweetness of life of youth and the wisdom of him who took the little ones in his arms and blessed them ah oh, deacon he added i've been a great fool but i'll be so thank god no more Three now old jack was a horse of a great deal of character and had a great history but of this none in that section save the little deacon knew a word dick tubman the deacon's youngest wildest and i might add favorite son had purchased him of an impecunious jockey at the close of a to him disastrous campaign that cleaned him completely out and left him in a strange city a thousand miles from home with nothing but the horse harness and sulky and a list of unpaid bills that must be met before he could leave the scene of his disastrous fortunes under such circumstances it was that dick tubman ran across the horse and partly out of pity for its owner and partly out of admiration of the horse whose failure to win at the races was due more to his lack of condition and the bad management of his jockey than lack of speed bought him off-hand and having no use for him himself shipped him as a present to the deacon with whom he had now been for four years with no harder work than ploughing out the good old man's corn in the summer and jogging along the country roads on the deacon's errands having said this much of the horse perhaps i should more particularly describe him he was in sooth an animal of most unique and extraordinary appearance for in the first place he was quite seventeen hands in height and long in proportion he was also the reverse of shapely in the fashion of his build, for his head was long and bony, and his hip bones sharp and protuberant. His tail was what is known among horsemen as a rat-tail, being but scantily covered with hair, and his neck was even more scantily supplied with a mane, while in colour he could easily have taken any premium put up for homeliness, being an ashen roan, mottled with black, and patches of a diverse hue. But his legs were flat and corded like a racer's, his neck long and thin as a thoroughbred's, his nostrils large, his ears sharply pointed and lively, while the white rings around his eyes hinted at a cross somewhere in his pedigree with Arabian blood a huge bony homely-looking horse he was as he drew the deacon and miranda into the village on market-days and sundays with a loose shambling gait making altogether an appearance so homely and peculiar that the smart village chaps riding along in their jaunty turnouts used to chaff the good deacon on the character of the steed and satirically challenge him to a brush the deacon always took the badinage in good part although he inwardly said more than once if i ever get a good chance when there ain't too many around i'll go to the turn of the road beyond the church and let jack out on them for dick had given him a hint of the horse's history and told him he could knock the spots out of thirty and wickedly urged the deacon to take the shine out of them airy chaps some of these days such was the horse then that the deacon had ahead of him and the old-fashioned sleigh when with the parson alongside he struck into the principal street of the village new year's day is a lively day in many country villages and on this bright one especially as the sleighing was perfect everybody was out indeed it had got noised abroad that certain trotters of local fame were to be on the street that afternoon and as the boys worded it there would be heaps of fun going on so it happened that everybody in town and many who lived out of it were on that particular street and just at the hour too when the deacon came to the foot of it so that the walk on either side was lined darkly with lookers-on and the smooth snow path between the two lines looked like a veritable home stretch on a race day Now, when the deacon had reached the corner of the main street and turned into it, it was at that point where the course terminated, and the brushes were ended, and at the precise moment when the dozen or twenty horses that had come flying down were being pulled up preparatory to returning at a slow gait to the customary starting point at the head of the street a half-mile away so the old-fashioned sleigh was quickly surrounded by the light fancy cutters of the rival racers and old jack was shambling along in the midst of the high-spirited and smoking nags that had just come down the stretch hello deacon shouted one of the boys who was driving a trim-looking bay and who had crossed the line at the ending of the course second only to the pacer that could speed like lightning as the boy said Hello, deacon. Ain't you going to shake out old shambles heels and show us fellows what speed is to-day?' And the merry-hearted chap, son of the principal lawyer of the place, laughed heartily at his challenge, while the other drivers looked at the great angular steed that, without check, was walking carelessly along, with his head held down, ahead of the old sleigh and its churchly occupants i don't know but what i will answered the deacon good-naturedly i don't know but what i will if the parson don't object and you won't start off too quick to begin with for this is new year's and a little extra fun won't hurt any of us i reckon do it do it we'll hold up for you answered a dozen merry voices do it deacon it'll do old chambleheels good to go a ten mile an hour gait for once in his life and the parson needn't fear of being scandalized by any speed you'll get out of him either and the merry-hearted chaps haw-hawed as men and boys will when every one is jolly and fun flows fast and so with any amount of good-natured chaffing from the drivers of the fastons and from many that lined the roads too for the day gave greater liberty than usual to bantering speech the speedy ones paced slowly up to the head of the street with old jack shambling demurely in the midst of them but the horse was a knowing old fellow and had scored at too many races not to know that the return was to be leisurely taken and indeed he was a horse of independence and of too even perhaps of too sluggish a temperament to waste himself in needless action But he had the right stuff in him, and hadn't forgotten his early training either, for when he came to the turn, his head and tail came up, his eyes brightened, and with a playful movement of his huge body, without the least hint from the deacon, he swung himself and the cumbrous old sleigh into line, and began to straighten himself for the coming brush. Now, Jack was, as I have said, a horse of huge proportions, and needed steadying at the start but the good deacon had no experience with the ribbons, and was therefore utterly unskilled in the matter of driving. And so it came about that old Jack was so confused at the start that he made a most awkward and wretched appearance in his effort to get off, being all mixed up, as the saying is, so much so that the crowd roared at his ungainly efforts, and his flying rivals were twenty rods away before he had even got started." But at last he got his huge body in a straight line and, leaving his miserable shuffle, squared away to his work, and with head and tail up, went off at so slashing a gait that it fairly took the deacon's breath away, and caused the crowd that had been hooting him to roar their applause, while the parson grabbed the edge of the old sleigh with one hand and the rim of his tall black hat with the other what a pity mr longface that god made horses as they are and gave them such grandeur of appearance and action and put such an eagle-like spirit between their ribs so that quitting the plodding motions of the ox they can fly like that noble bird and come sweeping down the course as on wings of the wind it was not my fault nor the deacon's nor the parsons either please remember then that awkward shuffling homely-looking old jack was thus suddenly transformed by the royalty of blood of pride and of speed given him by his creator from what he ordinarily was into a magnificent spectacle of energetic velocity With muzzle lifted well up, tail erect, the few hairs in it streaming straight behind, one ear pricked forward and the other turned sharply back, the great horse swept grandly along at a pace that was rapidly bringing him even with the rear line of the flying group. And yet so little was the pace to him that he fairly gambled in playfulness as he went "'slashing along, until the deacon verily began to fear "'that the honest old chap would break through "'all the bounds of propriety "'and send his heels antically through his treasured dashboard. "'Indeed, the spectacle that the huge horse presented "'was so magnificent, and his action so free, "'spirited and playful, as he came sweeping onward, "'that the cheers such as, "'Good heaven, see the deacon's old horse!' look at him look at him what a stride ran ahead of him and old bill sykes a trainer in his day but now a hanger-on at the village tavern or that section of it known as the bar wiped his watery eyes with his tremulous fist as he saw jack come swinging down and as he swept past with his open gait powerful stroke and stifles playing well out brought his hand down with a mighty slap against his thigh and said i'll be blowed if he isn't a regular old-timer it was fortunate for the deacon and the parson that the noise and cheering of the crowd drew the attention of the drivers ahead or there would surely have been more than one collision for the old sleigh was of such size and strength the good deacon so unskilled at the reins and jack who was adding to his momentum with every stride going at so determined a pace that had he struck the rear line with no gap for him to go through something serious would surely have happened but as it was the driver saw the huge horse with the cumbrous old sleigh behind him bearing down on them at such a gait as made their own speed sharp as it was seem slow and pulled out in time to save themselves and so without any mishap the big horse and heavy sleigh swept through the rear row of racers like an autumn gust through a cluster of leaves but by this time the deacon had become somewhat alarmed for old jack was going nigh to a thirty clip a frightful pace for an inexperienced driver to ride and began to put a good strong pressure upon the bit not doubting that old jack ordinarily the easiest horse in the world to manage would take the hint and immediately slow up. But though the huge horse took the hint, it was in exactly the opposite manner that the deacon intended he should, for he interpreted the little man's steady pull as an intimation that his driver was getting over his flurry, and beginning to treat him as a horse ought to be treated in a race, and that he could now, having got settled in his work, go ahead. And go ahead he did. The more the deacon pulled, the more the great animal felt himself steadied and assisted, and so the harder the good man tugged at the reins, the more powerfully the machinery of the big animal ahead of him worked, until the deacon got alarmed and began to call upon the horse to stop, crying, Whoa, Jack, whoa, old boy, I say, whoa, will you now, that's a good fellow, and many other coaxing calls, while he pulled away steadily at the reins. But the horse misunderstood the deacon's calls as he did his pressure upon the reins, for the crowds on either side were yelling and hooting and swinging their caps, so that the deacon's voice came indistinctly to his ears at best, and he interpreted his calls for him to stop as only so many encouragements and signals for him to go ahead and so with the memory of a hundred races stirring his blood the crowds cheering him to the echo the steadying pull the encouraging cries of his driver in his ears and his only rival the pacer whirling along only a few rods ahead of him the monstrous animal with a desperate plunge that half lifted the old sleigh from the snow let out another link and with such a burst of speed as was never seen in the village before tore along after the pacer at such a terrific pace that within the distance of a dozen lengths he lay lapped upon him and the two were going it nose and nose what is that feeling in human hearts which makes us sympathetic with man or animal who has unexpectedly developed courage and capacity when engaged in a struggle in which the odds are against him and why do we enter so spiritedly into the contest and lose ourselves in the excitement of the moment is it pride is it the comradeship of courage or is it the rising of the indomitable in us that loves nothing so much as victory and hates nothing so much as defeat be that as it may no sooner was old jack fairly lapped on the pacer whose driver was urging him along with rein and voice alike and the contest seemed doubtful than the spirit of old adam himself entered into the deacon and the parson both so that carried away by the excitement of the race they fairly forgot themselves and entered as wildly into the contest as two ungodly jockeys "'Deacon Tubman,' said the parson, as he clutched more stoutly the rim of his tall hat, against which, as the horse tore along, the snow chips were pelting in showers. "'Deacon Tubman, do you think the pacer will beat us?' "'Not if I can help it. Not if I can help it,' yelled the deacon in reply, as with something like a reinsman's skill, he lifted Jack to another spurt. "'Go it, old boy,' he shouted encouragingly. "'Go along with you, I say.' and the parson also carried away by the whirl of the moment cried go along old boy go along with you i say this was the very thing and the only thing that the huge horse Whose blood was now fairly aflame, wanted to rally him for the final effort, and in response to the encouraging cries of the two behind him, he gathered himself together for another burst of speed and put forth his collected strength with such tremendous energy and suddenness of movement that the little deacon, who had risen and was standing erect in the sleigh, fell back into the arms of the parson, while the great horse rushed over the line amid such cheers and roars of laughter as were never heard in that village before nor was the horse any more the object of public interest and remark i may say favouring remark than the parson who suddenly found himself the centre of a crowd of his own parishioners many of whom would scarcely have been expected to participate in such a scene but who thawed out of their iciness by the genial temper of the day and vastly excited over jack's contest thronged upon the good man, laughing as heartily as any jolly sinner in the crowd. So everybody shook hands with the parson and wished him a happy new year, and the parson shook hands with everybody and wished them all many happy returns, and everybody praised old Jack and rallied the deacon on his driving, and then everybody went home good-natured and happy, laughing and talking about the wonderful race and the change that had come over Parson Whitney. And as for Parson Whitney himself, the day and its fun had taken twenty years from his age, and nothing would answer but the deacon must go with him and help eat the New Year's pudding at the parsonage. And he did. At the table they laughed and talked over the funny incidents of the day, and joked each other as merrily as two boys.' then parson whitney told some reminiscences of his college days and the scrapes he got into and about a riot between town and gown when he carried the bullies club and the deacon returned by narrating his experiences with a certain deacon jones watermelon patch when he was a boy and over their tails and their nuts they laughed till they cried and roared so lustily at the remembered frolics of their youthful days that the old parsonage rang the books on the library shelves rattled, and several of the theological volumes actually gaped with horror. But at last the stories were all told, the jokes all cracked, the laughter all laughed, and the little deacon wished the parson good-bye and jogged happily homeward. But more than once he laughed to himself and said, "'Bless my soul, I didn't know the parson had so much fun in him.' and long the parson sat by the glowing grate after the deacon had left him musing of other days and the happy pleasant things that were in them and many times he smiled and once he laughed outright at some remembered folly for he said what a wild boy i was and yet i meant no wrong and the dear old days were very happy ay ay parson whitney the dear old days were very happy not only to thee but to all of us who following our sun have faced westward so long that the light of the morning shows through the dim haze of memory but happier than even the old days will be the young ones i ween when following still westward we suddenly come to the gates of the east and the morning once more and there in the dawn of a day which is endless we find our lost youth and its loves to lose them and it no more for ever thank god End of part two